Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He did a good job. He made a lot of good pitches today, and we didn't get anything uh, really going against him at all. And um, I think that was really it. We faced a guy throwing the ball really well, um, but our offense has done a good job all week long against some really good arms, and we faced another one today. We just couldn't, uh, couldn't start it up and keep it going. Hold on just a second here. I'm trying to find uh, if any of these sports books have updated manager of the year odds here. Let's see here. Uh, this uh, MGM, that's uh, 2000. That's 2021. Yeah, I'll try and find something here. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I think the odds are with Rocco right now. American League manager of the year. Judd, what do you think? Oh, I think it's been incredible. I mean, I think it is um, um absolutely an optimal job. And I also would like to say this. See, you're being, but you're being mean and sarcastic. No, because I'm, I'm about to say I'm something. No, being I'm, no, I'm being, I'm about I'm being to say 80% something. serious. I'm about to say something completely, completely serious right now. So I want you to hear this out. Mm. Sports dad is speaking. Jace Tingler. Oh my God. Amazing what a good bench coach can do. Amazing what a good bench coach does. You know, all I know is the Twins, good bench coaches, 2019, 2020, 2021. Tragically, unfortunately, not so much. Jace Tingler, 2022, get a good bench coach by Rocco. What happens? You know, I tell you, I do when I when they show the dugout, I I do see Carlos Correa talking with Jace Tingler more often than I see him talking with Rocco Baldelli. So I think the players agree. Jace Tingler is the straw that is stirring the Twins drink. Five and four uh-huh. over the toughest stretch of the season, a stretch that uh, notably you and Patrick Ricey thought the wheels would come off and and heads would roll. Mm-hmm. They went five and four over these nine games against the American League East without Sonny Gray, without Joe Ryan, without while well, Bailey Ober is one of the, I, I think I feel like people are crowning him a little early, but he's in their starting rotation. He's been solid mm-hmm. uh, without really playing the A lineup more than once. I think we saw the A lineup once. And it was yesterday, wasn't it? Didn't we see the A lineup minus Max Kepler because it was a lefty yesterday? Pretty much, yeah. And they got maybe Friday a couple times on Friday. They did. I think it wasn't a rise, Correa. But anyway, yes. But you're correct. They didn't play it a lot. Mm -hmm. No, Mm. I was correct. That's right. And you were wrong. I was wrong about this stretch. I was wrong about this stretch. I thought they would. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. You're I was in the just going to say, you're wrong. That's fine. I was wrong about the stretch. I thought that they would struggle much more. Five, five and four. And look, I'm saying this without being sarcastic about it. It could have been, 
it could have been six and three. Like they they had chances to. I don't feel like there were a lot of games within the last nine. Yesterday was probably one of them, but in which they looked like outclassed or couldn't have come back or couldn't have won. So it could have been, you know, six wins. Well, yeah, like you're not going to look. This is the, so, this is the lesson I think everyone should learn here, starting with you and Patrick Royce. Mm-hmm. And I love I love you guys, but you guys mm-hmm. treated these nine games like football. And oftentimes we will make fun of people who treat baseball like football on this show because you're not going to get outclassed in a, like a game of baseball. There's no such thing as getting outclassed in a game of baseball. In a month of baseball or in 15 games against an opponent or something over the course of a season, yeah. But I think the main lesson, you know, in fact, let's let's start the statements That's train it. here. Right. Mackie and Judd okay. on a Monday. I'll this give is going to play statement. perfectly oh. after yours. Okay. Okay. The first statement I have is the lesson that we should all learn here, baseball is weird and the Twins are good. They weren't going to go 0-9 even with all these players injured on the COVID list, whatever. They weren't going to go... One and eight, like that was. This is a. This was a good team. I'm not saying they're the Yankees or the Dodgers. This was a good team that still has good players, even when some of their best players aren't playing. Yep. And so I think. I think. And I'm. I'll speak to myself here, because I'm guilty of this. Yep. I harbor all of the last 20 years, and I harbor all of the playoff losses and all of the incompetence we've seen in free agency and trades the last couple of years. Sure into the way that I look at this team. I'm having I've been having a hard time opening up my arms to this team because mm-hmm. of everything that's happened. And while I'm not crowning them World Series champions by any means and we'll talk more about what they can potentially do, this was a damn good stretch of baseball. This was this was like this was the biggest test of the season for sure. And they came out of it 5 and 4 with one of their four wheels unattached to the car, basically. Absolutely. And so they deserve a ton of credit for what they just did over these nine games. And I think this team deserves a chance to play this out. Let's see what they do. Let's see what the front office does. But this was the biggest test. They passed it. Absolutely. And I was right. <laughs> you were right. Five and four. Outstanding. But here's here's where there's the fly in the ointment. Oh, here here's where the fly in the ointment. And I want Bye. you all to listen to Bye. this very Bye. closely Bye. because it is something that the younger generation has actually embraced. And you know what? In this case, you are a thousand percent right. Sports kids, you are all right. And that is this statement. The results are good. The process is incredibly flawed. Oh, my God. The process, and why is that important? It's not because of 18. Forget 18, because you're right, Phil. It goes back 20 years, okay? And, and Baldelli was like, I don't know, probably 20 years old or something. When this started, it's not his problem. Five is the key number here. That's the number of playoff losses that this front office and particular manager have gone through. And if you watch the process of what they are still doing, it is repeating a lot of the same things in the regular season that they've done in the playoffs as far as approach on pitching, as far as approach in trying to get guys off their feet at odd times. If you go back and look at what the flaws have been in those five playoff games, and God knows there have been flaws, some of those flaws are continuing to creep up and lessons have not been learned. You can sneak by that in June. Can you sneak by with those same mistakes in October? And well, that... they're, they're not going to rest Byron Buxton in a playoff series. So the, the goal here is to 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 get him to the playoffs. Okay, but right? you that's brought what, that's what they're trying to do. Yes, but Phil, you brought in Tyler Duffy in a game against the Yankees down by one. That's a flawed process. That, that is a, a that's a flawed process. No, no, that's in the past. 
You I don't can't, look back. I only look, I only you, look forward. You can't, you can't lean on, we lost the game, but our process was right. Which, by the way, I'll go down that path. Like, I don't know that I always agree, but there are times where it's like, yeah, you know what? You you really did. Sports can be weird. Um, okay. But, but, but then you can't, you can't not use that thought process when it's not convenient because the result was positive. Yeah. I hated the Tyler Duffy decision. But that's it was it was one decision on a nine game stretch that resulted in a five and four record. I guess my question is, what percentage of people this morning are waking up thinking, let's hammer this team for bad process over the last nine games? Okay, the Duffy the Duffy decision was bad. It doesn't mean that they're just bumbling all over themselves here. I'm not like I'm not gonna do this every day where we just all right. Well, Rep- you've won you've won more games, yep. but no, I'm giving but them credit. What happened but why two can't years we have ago. a conversation about both sides? Like like why do we need to to be like well they five and four is great five and four is very good. I was wrong about the stretch one thousand percent, but I am firmly of the belief that you just can't like be like well then five and four it's all fine. We're looking for. The whole purpose of why we exist is to look for the good and the bad, not to just embrace the good. But what will it take for you to come in one day, one day, sometime this week or next week, and yep. say, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the Tyler Duffy thing just for 24 hours and give fans a good feeling today on the show. Like the Tyler Duffy thing, that's a low blow to Twins fans today. And I agree, it was a bad decision. Does it need to be brought up today? Are you like the knight in shining armor that's like, listen, but you don't forget, nope. you guys are feeling no, good but, today, but, but don't you forget. But you then can't Tyler use Duffy the process results argument if you want to flush it down the toilet when it's not convenient to your uh, to to the narrative that you want. Like we are in an age of process and results, and I believe that it's very important that that then gets extrapolated over everything we talk about. Not well, the process uh, might might have been flawed, but they won, so. Who cares? This is how you lose playoff games. This is exactly we're staring at how you lose playoff games. I know because that, your but process no, wait, 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 remains wait, wait, wait. flawed. Okay, Declan, I, I, this is hard because I agree that their process has not been flawless. And I'm giving them credit, Phil. They're I'm have, giving them credit. Yes, I am. You're giving them zero credit. No, I'm not. I'm saying that there's a conversation to be had here about a lot of different things. But they won five games. I was wrong about the stretch. Like, what more do you want me to say? Well, I think we should ask the audience, do you feel like Judd is giving the Twins credit And by right the way, now? I got the more here. the first the show is Judd giving the Twins credit. I got more here, but Declan, go ahead. <laughs> trying to, like, figure out how to top that a little bit. But, uh, I mean, they went 5-4 and four over a nice stretch of games here. There are three quality teams. All of them are probably going to be in the playoffs. you got to just take that as what it is. Yes, the, the, the Yankees' Game 1 decision was baffling to bring in Duffy. But my goal right here... And I know we're all about championships on this show. We want to see a team actually get a championship for the first time in 30 years. I just want this team to win a damn playoff game. That is my bar for this team. And they are That's trending the, and that, and that to do that. that can be a bar. Yeah, that, yeah. that and, can be the bar. And I, I think they're trending to do that, to win one GD playoff game. And I, I think with what they have coming up now, and my statement is, bring on the reinforcements, because now you're, adding, you're getting your legitimate arms back in your rotation. So you, you threw out Cole Sands. Chi-Chi Gonzalez, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Relying on <laughs> Bailey Ober and Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer to be your knights in shining armor. Now, oh, I'll say... Not Bailey. Archer, He's out, too. Been, uh, Archer, yeah. yeah. But, all, but all those slappies that you've had to like throw out. Yeah, no, and, you're and, right. And, and, hey, they went 5-4 and four at the stretch, but now you get Sonny Gray back, you get Joe Ryan back, mm-hmm. you get your top two arms in your rotation, that should, which should help things. And then even 
on MLB.com today, a little MLB trade deadline stock post from uh, from Mark Feinsand has the Twins as a potential suitor for Luis Castillo of the Reds. So the reinforcements not just should be internal, which they are, because Ryan and and, uh, Sonny Gray are going to pitch this week in Seattle most likely, but also look external. Look at Mm -hmm. someone like Luis Castillo. Look to somewhere to bolster your bullpen. I will say if they, because I went on the same rant obviously with Martin Perez with with Phil the other day, who got rocked on Saturday, by the way. So I'm not sure if you uh, (laughs) I know. He gave up seven runs. Only someone could have foreshadowed a regression to the mean. But if they they throw out a Cole Sands... In a playoff game, then they're asking for trouble. If they put Tyler Duffy in a playoff they're game, they're, they're asking for trouble. Gonna, okay. But they're not. No, and that's where the reinforcements are coming. That's where the Sonny Gray, the Joe Ryans, the external trade deadline piece, you need those kind of pieces now to help you out and push you over the hill. Are you both mad about Cole Sands, or is it just Declan? I'm mad about Cole Sands. He's more mad about Tyler Duffy. No, no, no. We're picking... Well, no, no, no. Cole Sands, Cole Sands is, a, is a is a is a blue, is a blip. He's the tenth guy that they had to call yeah. on because of Hold on. injuries and COVID. He, he's a non-factor. One, I'm not mad. I am in. I am in a mode of trying to help them avoid the same mistakes that they made previously. So I'm not mad. Cole Sands, the Duffy thing. I feel bad for Tyler. I'm not mad about him. I feel bad for him, but I'm mad about the or I I am. Mad's not the right word. I'm perplexed about the decision there. Cole Sands, I felt they were forced to use. So, like, yeah, I, the, I don't know what you're going to do. To Dex's point, I'm not sure what you're going to do. Like, you were hemorrhaging pitching. Guys got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Duffy yeah, there, there wasn't just, like, a guy to call yeah. up. Like, you, you literally just needed warm bodies yeah, at that so point. I'm not. No, no, no. And it, and it is. I mean, Dex is right, you guys. Dex is exactly right. Five and four with the pitching that they were trotting out starting wise is a miracle. So yeah, no, no. Cole Sands, I don't don't care. I just don't care. So let's take what Declan just said here. I think something we can all agree on is the path Declan was was going down there, which is, and I'll use this as my next statement. This Twins team deserves the boost that previous Twins teams under this regime have not received mm-hmm. midseason. The 2019 team in particular. Well, wasn't wasn't one of those years? Was it 2017 where not only did they not give a boost, they traded pieces and then made a run after yeah. they sold at the deadline. They tried to bail I think out. That was yes, yes, and then they won a, and then the the clubhouse got pissed and Do- like Dozier got all chapped publicly and yep, and then they went on a run and made the the playing game. Yep, but and I'll even I'll take this statement and spin it into a question too because I I posed this over the weekend on Twitter and. Uh, now uh, people people called it a hot take, and they only focused on the second part of it. So, is this a hot take? I guess is my question to you guys. I think the Twins should pick one of two paths because the middle is not where I want to be with this team. This is a good enough team to add pieces to. You got Correa for at least three more months, no guarantees after that. You got Buxton when he's healthy, playing at a you know MVP votes level. Luis Arise is leading the league in batting average and I think on base percentage. Mm-hmm. So the mm. Twins should do one of two things. One, trade for a high-end starter and a high-end reliever. You should go get both so that you have a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo who Declan mentioned and some sort of, there's all kinds of reliever options always. Just go find somebody else that can miss some bats and you know stretch out the, the depth in that bullpen. If you don't do those things, I don't see the point in just marching toward 90-ish wins and getting smoked in the first round of the playoffs. And in that case, if you're just sort of marching down the middle, we might as well trade Carlos Correa to some team who's going to use him properly in October. So I'm not advocating to trade Carlos Correa, but I'm saying like he can walk in three months. 
So if you're, if you're not going to use him properly and give this team a boost, find a third playoff caliber starting pitcher, then what are we doing here? So th- this team deserves the boost that previous Twins teams have not gotten midseason. Yes, completely. So, all right. I promise are you to come about in Duffy a, again here. No, no. I promise to come in in a good mood. Okay. Today it's a Monday. <laughs> I promise to be in a good mood. Here's my feeling. How do you not be in a good mood? I don't feel. I don't feel that there is like a two paths here. If you can't see what you Phil painted as path A, what are you doing? You got a year. You, you got a year probably. And, and it now becomes worse because of Royce being out for a year now again because, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, the torn ACL or the retear. But you got a year of a gift in which Scott Boros, the agent for Carlos Correa, called you up and basically said, I've got the solution. And, and you're like, what? what? What's the solution? My guy likes to hit there. I've got Royce, who is at that time your backup, and Carlos Correa can spend a year there. Um, I mean, that is a gift. That's like Christmas Day times yep. three. Um, if you if you then sit down internally, in my opinion, and say, yeah, you know what? I got the Mackie hot take here, and I'm going to choose path B. Like, let's go down path B. Let's just sort of bail out. You shouldn't be working here. Like, you shouldn't yeah, be I don't, in pro I don't sports. Advocate for path right, but, B. But it's, I'm saying. It's more of a sarcastic path. But, I understand yeah. that. But what I'm saying is if you. But but you are advocating for path A, which is doubling down, which I love. But I mean, that's yeah. going to be painful. Like, like you're going to have to give up guys that you absolutely love. Um, but I, I honestly, you guys, think you have to do it. I really do. And, and the thing about this is there's a very good chance, and that there's uh, time to go, certainly. But there's a very good chance that you are just going to win the division. Like, you're going to be in good shape. And if that's the case, if you think, well, I mean, we're going to win the Central, so anything can happen, and you don't improve your starting pitching, and you don't improve your bullpen, shame on you. There's a golden opportunity. I would say, too, to double down, and Chip Scoggins wrote about this Star Tribune today, pay Carlos Correa then. Like, give him another contract extension now. Lock him in so you don't have to worry about him walking in free agency or opting out of that deal. Pay him now. He's a superstar. He loves this team. He's embraced the team. I would say extend him. Give him more money because you don't have a backup plan for a year. Royce Lewis is not going to be able to play baseball for most likely, again, for another calendar year. So he's potentially your opening day shortstop or is in the, in the lineup by 2024 regularly. So I would pay yeah. Carlos Correa now. Like, make the decision to go at it at the deadline. Absolutely. I love Path A there. But also, I just don't know that he's gonna, Yeah, I just don't know that he. I don't think it's up to the Twins. I don't think he's like if you approach them right now and said like, "What's the number right now?" Yeah. Hey, if let's wipe him, out these dumb option seasons. If, if you gave him, does he balk at five years, two hundred million? I think he thinks he can get more term. Than he that. wants like an eight or ten year deal because he's so he's guaranteed three years and a hundred million right now, right okay. over a yep. hundred million. Because he gets the option to opt in next year. If, if if he blows his ACL or something, and God, I can't believe I just put that in the... I'm sorry for put that in, putting that into the universe. But he gets to opt in next year to rehab for $35 million. So he'd want something more like seven, eight, nine, probably closer to 10 years into his late 30s, like some of these other guys are, are getting. So it's not... That's the thing. And I... Listen, option two, trading, trading Correa, that is a tongue-in-cheek option. Mm-hmm. The point is, 
this team deserves. They just came out of this test. If you were waiting to see, are they? What are they? How much fight do they show? How much resilience do they show? You know, how deep is this is this team? Can guys step up and and still scratch across games when you literally have minor league pitchers starting games against the Yankees and the Rays? And the answer is yes. They like they did. Yep. So reward them at some point. I know you're not going to do it tomorrow because the trade talks won't heat up for another month from now. But if they keep plugging along and they stay, you know, 8, 10, 12 games above 500, this team deserves that chance. Amen. Don't make the same mistake. To Judd's point earlier, learn from mistakes in the past. One of them is riding the middle lane during the trade deadline period when you have a good team that's ready to potentially do some damage. You know? Amen. Me? Yes. Uh, well, well, okay, okay. One other thought yeah. on this. I think if you get one of the top two seeds... Don't you get a buy with the new playoff format? Yes. Yep. You go right to the division so, series. This is another discussion. We keep talking about, well, if they can win the division. Well, winning the division as the third division winner, record-wise, is really no different, I mean, besides playing home games, than a wild-card team. You still have to play a three-game series, but you get to play the games at home, which I don't think is that big of an advantage. So right now, I'd be looking at the other teams. Okay, you're not going to catch the Yankees, but... The Astros are the number two seed right now. You're four games back, uh, three games back of the Astros. Mm-hmm. Go add Frankie Montas and go catch the Astros and get a bye in the first round. And then, you know, and then play whoever comes out of the first round. I don't know. I love it. Why not? Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. My my next statement is going to come as a surprise, I think, given my previous two statements. Um, I really like this team. Now, I might disagree with what the front office does I might disagree with strategy, but I'm going to tell you right now, I completely separate that from the players. I like this team. Like, this team to me is a likable collection. They're not, that has not been the case consistently. I think Donaldson became agitating. Um, but when you look at this team now, I think as far as baseball player personality goes, so I don't know them from, you know, I don't know a thing about them personally. But when you look at the fact that they seem to have fun, when you look at the fact that they seem to have fun players, uh, when, you know, Arise is a joy to watch. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, like in every facet, and he's not, he might not be the best player, but he's damn good. And in every facet of how he approaches his job, it is fun. First base, he's constantly talking to umpires and coaches down there and players. And I'm sorry, but I think that's fun. Um, you know, Buxton. Buxton is a fun player, obviously. Urshela, he made another catch on a foul ball yesterday that was incredible. He ran. He's a happy fella. <laughs> and the Yankees lead 7 to 4. Carlos Correa. I'm sorry. The ball's caught that on the ball's got, That ball's good. That's an infield fly roll. Um, <laughs> Correa, great fun to watch. So, so just to be clear, I really like the makeup now. And I think that they do have, and that goes back to Phil's point, which is just dead on accurate, which is give them a better chance. Give them, like, they deserve that. They've done, the players, in my opinion, good and bad. Like, just the whole the whole roster has, for the most part, done everything that you've asked, right? They are a likable team. They are a fun team. I think that this is a team of players that the fan base can embrace. Yeah, it's... I don't know what their nickname is. Like the Bomba Squad was a fun marketing thing a few years ago. I don't know. Do we have a nickname for this team yet? I don't have think they, so. They sh- we had the Piranhas. Yeah, you're right. The Bomba Squad. I don't What's know that this team character? has a thing. Yeah, I don't know what their thing is. I don't know that there's a defining characteristic of this team. 
they're just resilient. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think. It's kind of a, had, you know, kind of had, a boring. We joked about on old tweets exposed last week that the home run robe in 2020 that didn't work. Uh, the Bomba Squad in 2019. The, yeah, do they do what? How'd that go? What do they do in the well. dugout? <laughs> When someone hits think. a home run, are they even doing anything fun in the dugout? They're, I have no idea. They're just, you know what? They're getting rid of all the dumb gimmicks that haven't worked in 20 years of Twins all right. playoff appearances, right? We don't need to just just go win games. This team is down to business. They're kind of party in the front. Oh. Par, they're business in the front, party in the back. You know, <laughs> they got mullets? Maybe that. Maybe they're the, the Dan mullets. Gladden sort of. Um, all right, before we're going to get to the Royce Lewis conversation here, and, and we'll get to Declan's next statement, but a shout-out to our friends at the Meadows at Mystic. Yes. Golf season is very much upon us. Oh, I love golf season. It's uh, it's beautiful weather. It's 98 degrees on Tuesday. I'm ready to sweat and maybe even hit, hit, hit the links before I head out on vacation later this week. But I will be at the Meadows at Mystic Lake all summer long. It's an award-winning 18-hole public golf course, and they feature a full-service golf shop, top-to-line equipment and apparel, and also lessons. Yes, they even have golf lessons. Old Dex Tweets needs numerous golf lessons. It was a little frustrating round yesterday for me on Sunday, but they offer lessons at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. If you want to book your tee time, book that lesson, check out all the apparel, go to golfthemeadows.com to learn more. It's golfthemeadows.com to learn more. All right. All right, Declan, um... We do have to get to the Royce Lewis thing. I don't know if you have a non-Royce Lewis statement, but yeah, just ahead. just quick. I, give us the best possible product. That, that's my statement, and and what I mean by that is when you, when you sit Buxton and Correa on a beautiful day game at Target Field, dude, like real bad for business. And and there is still some jaded Twins fans here. Their attendance is still down. I know the weather has kind of stunk, but now it's finally getting nice out. When it's a Saturday game and families are coming to the ballpark or individuals are coming to the ballpark. You gotta have Buxton and Correa in there, dude. Like, I, what I don't understand, we have to have a rest strategy for Buxton. Correa is slowly making his way back from COVID and, and is a superstar. You you can't go to the ballpark and not have those two, at least one of those two dudes, in the lineup consistently. You yeah, need to see it. It is. I get why they're doing some of this, and I get the Buxton thing. And you're not gonna, you know, he's got a he's got a bad knee and stuff. But yeah, can we stagger it? It's like right. in the NBA. Just uh, right. You don't pull your two stars off the floor at the same time very often. You think one of them's out there for strategic purposes as often as possible. So I don't know. That's That that rubbed me the wrong way on Saturday for sure. Well, and the problem too was, unfortunately, Gordon is a butcher at shortstop. He is not good there. And and both, um, both Gordon and uh, the, the guy that uh, st- started in center, Celestino, made errors in that game that were both costly. But yeah, I can see, I totally get the rest plan, but I guess I object to, to the same exact thing is like, can't you give one of them Sunday off or DH Correa and sit Buxton? Like the Buxton thing, I guess I get more, but Correa came back. He could have come back on Tuesday. He came back on Wednesday. He DH, he played shortstop Thursday, Friday, and then he can't DH again on Saturday. It's like there seemed to be workarounds there. Um, but unfortunately, Twins didn't agree. I wonder what the, Dave St. Peter, totally off the record, I wonder what he would have to say about this. You know, you're trying to sell tickets, oh, coming out of this lockout, Dex coming out of the right. pandemic. It's terrible for business. It's terrible. I mean, when you look now at what it costs, as Declan knows, to go to a game and like, you know, especially if you bring your, you know, wife and kids and you got, and they're going to want to eat and get a cap and you might get a $16 beer and parking's like 14, 15 bucks now. That's the thing is, if it was a cheap day at the ballpark, I'd be like, well, that sort of sucks, but I get it. But when you're paying what a family of four, for instance, pays, 
you deserve, your kids deserve to see at least one of those two players. Yeah. All right, I'm going to frame the Royce Lewis statement as a question here. Yep. Were guys like us wrong to push for him to play a different position that he wasn't totally familiar with? I looked at it and said, listen, he's an elite athlete. Yep. He played 50 or 60 innings of center field in the Arizona Fall League a couple years ago. So, or what I think it might have been a year ago. You know, he's he's played out there before. Mm-hmm. Let's stop worrying so much. Hit him some fly balls during batting practice or whatever. He'll be fine out there. And as it turns out, he sort of mistimed his jump, tore his ACL, and now he's, I think this is the third season he has now had season-ending surgery. So uh, should we should we feel a sense of guilt and shame for pushing the Twins to to do this? So despite what Patrick says, my opinion remains unchanged. It's no. Uh, we should not. First of all, as you just said, he's played there before. So this was not his first time ever. I don't know what I'm doing out here. Second of all, I am, and this is not a conspiracy theory. I have no idea. It's just what occurs to me. When you immediately tear the ligament in that knee again, which, by the way, I think, if you look, is very strange. Like, how, how many how many elite professional athletes in any sport, including football, do you hear about, hey, I came back and uh, a month after that, I tore her again. Um, I think there's far more at work here about why it tore. And my guess, because if you go back and watch that, he wrenches his knee. But my God. Name the amount of players who have made that exact same play. I mean, it's not like he crashed headfirst into the fence and now is concussed beyond belief. He literally made a play that a lot of guys make, and he wrenched his knee, and it went again. My inclination is that this was going to happen. Like, there was something off here. I don't know if it was the procedure itself didn't work. I don't know enough about the structure of the the knee. But I refuse to believe that if he had been playing shortstop from here to eternity— that he would have never wrenched. I mean, you're going to wrench your knee. And it went as soon as he did. So, no, in this case, I don't feel guilty. I, I have more of a issue with the fact he got sent down to do that for a week, come back up, and then he tore, tears his ACL in a, in a freak play. Um, I, have more, I have more bones to pick with wh- why do we have to go down and him play the third and then play center? Like, why can't he even just stayed here? And I think that's where I I have more of an issue with, not the fact that we are calling for him to play center field or anything. I think he should have stayed here from the get-go. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a a weird, unfortunate situation. I feel terrible for him because, my God, how many times does this have to happen? You know, just all these season-ending injuries, and Mm -hmm. you don't know what he's going to come back. This kind of reminds me of Jason Kubel. Kubel had, I think, two years of bad knee injuries, when he was in the minor leagues, and he was at one point one of the Twins' top prospects, and he came back, could barely run anymore. You know, he looked like he, he looked like a thirty-eight-year-old lumbering man when he was twenty-seven years old in his prime. And so, I think that's the biggest worry: that what does this do to his just his range at shortstop, his ability to to move like he has? Because he is one of the best athletes in the entire organization, and. You keep stockpiling surgeries like this before the age of 25, and then what kind of other issues are you going to have? Arthritic issues or whatever. You know? yep. It's hard not to be a little doom and gloom with Royce Lewis at this point. And they say it's going to be probably a 12-month recovery, so he's not going to play in games until June of next year. So I think Declan was right earlier in the show. We're probably looking at late 2023, maybe pencil him in for 2024 at this point. It's sad. And, and then just hope at that point? 
Because it, it does seem weird no. that the knee went again so quickly. Yeah, it just it, seems it, a little bit odd. And and I didn't. I mean, that play. If you go back and watch the catch and him land, it's not like this. Oh my God, his knee was you know Theismann or so. You know, I mean, it it, it mm-hmm. wasn't this disgusting thing where you're like, oh God, the whole thing blew up. Um, it, it's just weird. Like, I think sometimes people, I think the structure of different people very much can depend on on what can happen when you wrench that knee. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, all right, boys. There it is. Twins. Twin statements. Oh, here. can I give you one more? Not twins, but baseball, but it's very important. Okay. My statement is this. White Sox, don't fire Tony. I fear, <laughs> despite the fact that, this cl- that that club has... Injury problems. If Larusa gets fired, I fear that they might get incredibly hot because it's not a bad collection of players, right? And I mean, this old bumbling fool who we we predicted this a year ago and it didn't take place, but it definitely is now. And Sox fans are chanting "Fire Tony." Um, I don't think Ryan Starf will do it, but if he does, I fear that the the Sox will take off. So I'm begging you, Jerry Reinsdorf, stick with your plan. Stick with Tony. <laughs> And then, of course, Cleveland's just in there. The, Cleveland does this all the time, where they're just they're, we're going to strip the payroll down and be terrible, but we still somehow have nine amazing pitchers because we just have a factory down there. You're right. You wish Cleveland would just kind of go away, so you, it could just be a one-on-one race against the the faltering, fighting Tony Larusas. It is hilarious how quick fans turn, though. Right? Last year, like, oh yeah, Tony. I think at the beginning when they hired him, it was people looked sideways, but. But then uh, the minute he shows a, just a glitch of incompetence, yeah, chanting fire a, Tony. A glitch of incompetence, <laughs> one, two. Hey, intentionally walk Tony! him. This guy kills us on one, two. Tony! 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 Tony's got two strikes. What are you doing, Tony? <laughs> Tony! <laughs> it's so good. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, boys. <laughs> it is time for the buffoon of the week here on Mackie and Judd. Presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, the opposite of buffoons. In fact, they're here to help raise the level of intelligence at your business. Not that you, know, not that you need help as a business owner with your intelligence level, but they're all about helping maximize your business with risk management tools and resources. They've been around for over 100 years, and you can find them online at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, the buffoon of the week this week, and I hate to do this because I, I – the article in whole was fine, but Evan Sidery is an author at basketballnews.com. And the headline and the tweet that he put out on this article was entitled, On the biggest stage of his career, Andrew Wiggins is proving the naysayers wrong. Now, in the article, I will say he did a good job of explaining, you know, Wiggins not living up to expectations in Minnesota and then finding a role and grabbing freaking 16 rebounds in game four of the NBA finals. Yep. But why do we do this? This has been a thing now for two years with Andrew Wiggins now culminating with his, probably his most effective game considering the circumstances. And just like, if they lose that game, they're almost certainly going to lose the series. Why do we let someone underachieve for six years? And then the minute they finally have a light bulb go off in a role that was much, much less than he was expected to be in in Minnesota, right? Sure. Now we turn it on the doubters. Oh, the doubters were wrong. 
the naysayers and the doubters were wrong. Can't about you admit Andrew you're Wiggins. wrong, Phil? Can't were you? Admit, I said like, I was wrong before. Can't you admit you're wrong? Why can't it be? And again, the the actual like text of the article did a pretty good job laying this out. But to frame it this way is so ridiculous. Why can't it just be framed as? Boy, uh, after struggling mightily to live up to expectations and to play anywhere near his peak capability for the first six years of his career, Andrew found a really good niche spot with a dynasty team where he can blend in and be the fourth guy, sometimes ascending to the second guy because the pressure is less, right? Like I'll tell you exactly no why. No one's going into these games thinking, like, well, Andrew Wiggins needs to step up and deliver or he's going to get filleted. If he delivers, it's a bonus. I just don't like the way that we frame this. Because you're not going to read it unless it's framed that way. They get far more people to get upset like you just did and the read naysayers. the article. Exactly. <laughs> if they're like, he's in a perfect role now, which is all true. Um, then you're like, okay, yeah, that's fair. I, in fact, you know what? I'm bored with this. But when they say the naysayers are getting their just desserts, you're like, bleep that. That's why they do it. I mean, they got I mean, you. They, yeah. they, they, they got you hook, line, and sinker. Even Dr- so, Draymond Green. I think he said this on his podcast. I'm getting this quote from from uh, NBA Twitter. So he said on his podcast, he told a sort of a first person story of being in the locker room after the game. Yep. And he said, "Quote: Steph looked up. Steph Curry looked up, and I said, Wow, Wiggs, that's incredible. Sixteen rebounds. But we must tell you how pathetic that is. That your previous high was only eleven rebounds.' And Wiggins said, "I know, man." But forget that. You got it done tonight, brother, Draymond told Wiggins. When we needed it the most, it was absolutely amazing. So like, even Draymond's walking in after this 16-rebound performance and saying, how have you never done that before? Mm-hmm. You can clearly do it. You're I can capable tell of doing it. How, how have you never grabbed more than 11 rebounds in a game before? So even we can all tell him, Phil. being mean-spirited, but like, yeah. <laughs> we can all tell him because he didn't apply himself for a very long time. Well, how does it make you feel when you, I don't know how much you guys watched of game four, but he was an energizer bunny for like the 30 plus minutes he was on the court. He was hand in face of every Celtics jump shot, seemingly the entire second half. He was grabbing rebounds getting out in transition, cutting to the hoop. Um, He wasn't making all of his shots, but he wasn't shying away from, he was just pulling the trigger on big threes and big shots. When you see that version of Wiggins, how does that make you feel? Uh, not surprised. One, he's in a perfect role with a perfect team for him. So, so like he has been slotted into the role that he that he can do. And there are times, and we've seen this, there are games where he is going to pop up and play great. Like he's going to give you things that you're like, oh my god, yeah, why don't we see that more? But that being said, here's the thing: like of all of the ones in this godforsaken sports state that have gotten away, right? And we've had a lot of them. We can go through the list, but I don't want to. Um, Wiggins is one that one I'm not surprised, and two I'm not sad he's gone because I don't think with the Wolves as they were constructed, I don't think that there was ever going to be a time where he was going to uh, cross that threshold or barrier consistently to make himself into the player that this franchise and this is the very important thing that this franchise needed in Golden mm-hmm. State. It's perfect, but I mean, you tell me. If he stays here, what happens? Like, like, do you think that, oh, my God, he, he's now applying himself all the time and playing great? I don't. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to think of if you go back into the alternate reality of, okay, they don't make the trade for D'Lo. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, ideally, you would have just kept Jimmy Butler at that point, right, and tried to ride out maybe with a different coach or something. Maybe you pay Butler and you bring a different coach in or something than Tom Thibodeau. Well, yeah, but I think yeah. it was headed for a blow-up almost no matter what. But to your point, he's making max money, but the Warriors have the, the Warriors are able to make it work trade-wise because they swapped out the D'Lo contract, and then they've been willing to go up into the luxury tax. They are paying historical amounts in luxury tax for this team because they're trying to squeeze the last couple of years out of a dynasty. And so the fact that they can pay him the money that he was making with, you know, based on the idea of him leading a team, like he's still getting paid based on what you thought he was going to be three years ago as the centerpiece of a franchise and they can afford it and they can afford to put hall of famers like clay and stuff around him also making max money because mm-hmm. they're so far in the luxury tax. The other funny thing about this warriors team, the beginning of the fourth quarter of game four, a must win finals game. If you lose, you're down three games to one. You've been losing almost the entire game and you need a jolt at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And the warriors were leaning on Andrew Wiggins and Nemanja Bielitsa <laughs> for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. Bielitsa. Belly. And he's playing pretty well. He's in a he's in a I mean, yeah. he's in the rotation of of a NBA final series yep. on a dynasty team. But the Warriors, <laughs> like you you watch that right now machine go, and you can put parts in that work, right? Like you that's the weird things. So when I was a kid, I, I would see guys on teams like that um be great or be really effective, not great. And then think, oh my God, if if the twins could get that that guy right, and then the guy would sign with a team to play a far bigger role, and what would happen a lot of times? He'd take a massive step back because he was yes. put into a system. Like I think that's the thing that we as sports fans don't acknowledge or think about. Why do some guys play so well um, with great teams, but then they don't play as as well? Well, it's because they're asked to do far more. And they don't have a star by their side. And now they get downtrodden because they really weren't that good. Like, that's the thing about sports is we we watch guys have success in all sports and think, if that guy gets on the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's going to be fantastic. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, don't you think you know, one of the, excuse me, I think one of the problems Jimmy Butler had five years ago was there was just a, a general lack of urgency among the roster and the players. And like Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler come over and it's like, practices feel urgent guys we're going to be this is going to be intense we're going to yell at each other and we're going to get better and all these things and that that wasn't the way the wolves had been operating mm-hmm. for the last couple of years so wiggins goes to golden state and there is a peer pressure to live up to the highest version of yourself as a player sure and if you don't then we're not going to continue this dynasty and win championships so he i think he feels this peer pressure of okay steph clay steve kerr Draymond, who's been playing mostly crappy in the series, but these guys are serious. And so I I can't just be coasting around and taking pull-up shots from 20 feet and not grabbing rebounds. Like, I need to – I feel pressure within the team, not from the media and the fans, to sure. actually do something in these games. And I think the pressure, though, also lessens because you're put into a cocoon of success. So, like, that cocoon um, insulates you. So, like, you can go do your role – and and there's expectations from the players, but when there's that many great players in a system that's fantastic, I think it actually uh, for a guy like like we're talking about, it insulates 
Wiggins enough where he feels emboldened and and has an ability. Here he was looked to to lead, right? Like his like yes. you know it's Cat and Wiggy and and he was he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it consistently, and he basically said that. Um, and so the problem was people here look to him. There he looks to them. You know, it's funny if you look at his games in the playoffs. Let's just let's go back because uh, they played man Denver in the first round. Well, let's just let's just go through his entire playoffs here real quick. If you were to look at his playoff log and his box score through the expectations of what he needed to be in a Timberwolves uniform, which was the leader of a franchise or one of the top two stars, you'd say, okay, sixteen. You know, let's go back to the first round. Okay, sixteen points. 13 points on nine shots, 9.6 rebounds on six shots. You'd say, boy, that's not getting it done as a max player leading a team with those expectations with the Timberwolves. Yes. Even in the finals, he had the 20.5 rebound first game. You'd say, yeah, that's about the bare minimum of what you should be doing with the Timberwolves expectations from five years ago. 11.6 rebounds in game two on four of 12 shooting. That's a dud. Okay. And then, you know, game four, 17.16 rebounds. That would have been the expected standard every night yes if if the Timberwolves had played out the way that you thought they could with you know when they traded for Wiggins you know all those years ago so high expectations he was never living up to them but in Golden State the expectation bar was dropped so much that when he goes off for 20 points and five rebounds it's like whoa holy crap Andrew Wiggins oh my god 17 points and 16 rebounds like well he's been capable of this for seven years and he's now over-delivering because we have dropped the expectation bar so much. And credit to him, because that was an amazing game. And if he doesn't play that way, 43 minutes, by the way, if he doesn't play that way, they probably don't win, and they're probably cooked in this series. Mm-hmm. But the expectations changing is is what's making uh, the perception so much different. And in the Wolves' defense, I don't think Gerson was going to uh, – now you don't look back, in my opinion, and say, oh, he should have gotten so much more, right? Like, oh, how could you not get more? Or why would you make that trade? He was who he was here. And and uh, to the stats that you just threw out, Phil, what he was here works there. And he's going to have an occasional great game. He did here. Like, there were how many times did we flip on the mics of the old show after a Wiggy special and say, oh, man, now that should be the expectation, right? Like in this game, he played the Cavaliers, and he's mad at them still. I mean, he he's the student that has the potential to get straight A's. There's no doubt about that. And he slacks a lot. He's just in a really good school now where, where I would say it's safe to say some of his fellow classmates do some of the work for him at times. Yeah, yeah. He uh, it's funny you mentioned. So he is a better version of himself, but it's not that far off. So. You compare this year's playoff averages to the five games he played against the Rockets five years ago when the Wolves got beaten five. He was averaging 16 points in that series. He's averaging 16 points in these playoffs. He was averaging two assists in those playoffs. He's averaging two assists in these playoffs. Wow. Uh, the the rebounds, he's grabbing more rebounds. So he he's averaging seven rebounds in these playoffs, five in the previous playoffs. Yeah. And he's a little bit more of an efficient shooter. He's not taking as many of those long twos with a hand in his face. And so his effective field goal percentage has gone from 49 to 53%. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more efficient, grabbing a few more rebounds, and the rest is fairly similar. I'm sure he's a little bit more engaged on defense if we were to go back and 
Look at that series against the Rockets right. four years ago. But right. it's it's a very similar version. The volume cranked up a little bit. The intensity cranked up a little bit. But because the expectation bar is so much lower, you know, here we are. Um, all right, boys. I got another one for you. I want a mock. <laughs> it is mock season. NBA mock draft season. And I'll tell you, there's not as much of an NBA draft landscape as the NFL draft landscape. Mm. You don't have the, there's not like a Walter football version of the NBA uh, mock world that I have found anyways. Okay. Is there a Walter basketball? basketball. uh, Walter's busy on football, dude. Don't ask him to be doing basketball too. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. There is? WalterFootball.com has an NBA mock draft database. Oh, oh. Okay. What are they doing? Spreading themselves too Put thin. A pin in that. Not going dis- to. I'm not going to disable my ad blocker. Sorry, yeah, don't uh, do that. Walter Football. Sorry, guys. All right, if you could fire the music here, Declan. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys from ESPN.com. <laughs> this is a consensus mock draft from ESPN.com. So it's where each player is most likely or most often mocked or landing or whatever. I'm going to spare you every, every the other picks. Chet Holmgren goes number two, whatever. Let's just get right to the Minnesota Timberwolves at 19. According to the ESPN.com consensus mock, they select 18-year-old Serbian forward Nikola Jovic, who Doogie brought up in the scoop session last Thursday. Not to be confused with Nikola Jokic. This is Nikola Jovic. Here's the write-up. After an encouraging season, the Timberwolves look to bolster their depth at the forward spots with another dynamic shooter who doesn't need the ball, can facilitate for others, and has upside to grow into long-term. Jovic has excellent size at six foot ten, a strong feel for the game, and could slide nicely between Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt while not detracting from the Wolves' core of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. In the NBA.com GM survey from this last season, Jovic received votes for the best international player not playing in the NBA yet. And uh, at the 2021 Euro Basketball League Next Gen Tournament, which is 18 and under players, international tournament 18 and under in Belgrade, he averaged 29 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks in 28 minutes per game. Well, 28 minutes per game. Hmm. He put up those numbers against some of the other great young players around Europe while shooting 66% from the field. Nikola Jovic to the Timberwolves. I want a mock! Dumb question, but... We haven't done a lot of film study on him. would he be coming over? (laughs) Would would he be here immediately? Is he a guy that wouldn't be here? Like, that's that's always my question about guys like that. I'm just curious about what the timetable is for them to be here, because in my sport, eh, it takes them a while sometimes. Yep. Maybe five yeah, years. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe uh, let's just see here. Will Will Nikola? <laughs> let me Google that for you, Judd. Will Nikola Jovic you don't play have to. You don't in two thousand twenty-two? Well, if he's a first-round pick, I mean, well, yeah, that's what I'm just asking. If there's we'll, any, let's get him in the mix here. Absolutely. By the way, WalterFootball.com they have a mock draft database, but they only show the first five picks of all these mocks. What the hell? It's awfully lazy. Yes. I know that you're WolfFootball.com, but don't do an NBA mock draft base without putting more picks on here. I'm surprised that, that they've gone down the path of of adding that much workload to the WalterFootball.com empire, or Walter empire, I guess we should call it. 
It's like, guys, you got to focus on football. I know. Yeah, don't spread What's yourself next? too thin here. Hockey mock draft. Well, let's see here. Eighteen-year-old from eighteen-year-old <laughs> from Saskatchewan's looking pretty good. He's a, a left defenseman, but uh, he can well, play the right side. We stay at Colorado College for another year, it, or will he, will he come over? Walter Hockey. Yeah, there's no Walter Hockey. Good. Ah, so. Good. We don't yeah, want Walter to have a hockey. There. Amazing. The hockey. All right, draft. there it is. Yeah. There's your Timberwolves mock, mock here. All right. Presented by Dennis Kirk. It's riding season all summer long. Dennis Kirk has you guys covered. Whether you ride Harleys, Indians, Metro Cruiser sport bikes, 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, free shipping on orders over $89, and same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. All right, any final words of wisdom? I got you a question the for Live you. Golf Tour? No. No. I, I, Is no, there a question not. about the Live Golf Tour? It's not about I've the Live Golf Tour. It's, ba- it's basketball. So you watch the whole thing? Or a bunch of it? Well, I didn't watch the whole thing. Oh, okay, you watched a bunch out. of it? Yeah. Well, got a bunch of Stranger I, yeah. Things in this weekend. Finally started Stranger Things. Yeah, we did too. Love so, it. Good really? stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. Really spooky. Yeah, check oh, it out. Oh, boy, it sounds scary. Um, here's my basketball question for you, Phil. In watching the playoffs and now the, the first few games of the finals, and I don't mean to say that you're supposed to say it's close, but where do you feel that the Wolves are at? So, so like, in watching, because I think watching playoffs really crystallizes for instance, mm-hmm. the Wild. I think it really crystallizes, like, you see you see what has to be done, the intangibles. Like, there's so many things. How good do you feel about the Wolves in watching these playoffs? Um, Man, I almost feel like we need, we might need to unpack this more, like, on tomorrow's show. Okay. Can we do that? That's a, that's a really good, and we're going to get, we're going to get a game tonight. Uh, yeah, Dex and I can, can throw I, in some, some puck, too, because I, because I really think this helps. Can I get like 20, yeah, 22 hours to just form my thoughts? I'll Absolutely. give you a teaser. The biggest thing you notice with these teams, and, and some people are going to say, well, yeah, Steph Curry. Like, you need a right. Steph. And yes, you need. And the idea is that Anthony Edwards can be whatever whatever that guy is. I'm not saying he's going to be Steph Curry, but mm-hmm. can he be a top six player in the league? So you need, you need a Jason Tatum. You need a Jalen Brown. You need a Steph Curry. That's a given. And Anthony Edwards hopefully is ascending to that. But when you watch these teams play, they know exactly who they are. They they are. They, there's no. Oh my God! It's, <laughs> and now they're blowing some leads here and there, but it's not because they are just like getting nervous and they don't know what to do and they're just chucking up a bunch of dumb shots. Love it. Usually they're blowing leads because the opposing team just found a way to play a different defensive look or something. Like the Wolves get into the fourth quarter and they just don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know what the pecking order is of who should shoot. They don't have any go-to sets that they can rely on late in games. Yep. And these teams you're seeing late all very much do. And so that's the biggest thing that Finch and Anthony Edwards getting older and better are going to have to figure out. So let's let's talk more about that tomorrow. Love it. Declan, how many episodes of Stranger Things 4 are you in? Uh, three and a half. Um, I, w- I tried to finish the fourth. And- I came home from the round yesterday and old Dex tweets got a little sleepy, so he, he had to put it on pause. And he took a nap. Oh, but... is this a show that you did? You watch this alone, or is, is yeah. this not a show that you I, guys I, watch I made the yeah because the gal's not she hasn't started ever. Um, and I wanted to see season four, so I started it. She was out of town, so I I binged the first three on Friday night. And I'll just say, going to bed with that like demon, a little tough, little poor decision by Dex tweets to like go to bed with the antagonist, just kind of saying Max in my head over and over again. I was like, Dude. I probably should have mixed in an office episode before I went to bed. 
Same thing happened to old Macadac on Saturday night. We yeah. binged a couple episodes of Stranger Things, had a couple drinks, and I had like the most terrifying dreams oh. of my wife and I in the stra- one of the Stranger Things houses, like fighting off demons and stuff. Oh my god, very unsettling. That's really wow. cool. That's no, not cool. It was, it was not it was like cool. I was hallucinating cool. demons or something. Yeah, no, I love bad dreams. They're great. <laughs> You should be logging your bad dreams and sharing them on the show. I have a lot of oh, weird dreams. God. They're they're fantastic. It's free, man. Free cable. <laughs> free entertainment. Right in my head. <laughs> Love it. All right. We'll uh we'll see you guys tomorrow. And don't forget on Purple Daily, we're still talking Vikings three hundred sixty five days a year. Even though the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell are taking some time off, we do not. So hit us up over on Purple Daily. We'll see you guys tomorrow.